Today's episode contains adult themes, so if you listen with your children, you may want to skip this one. Otherwise, please enjoy this episode. On this episode of This Is Game Boy Light, school's out for summer, and we might not come back at all. Hello everyone, welcome to another sunshine-filled episode of This Is Game Boy Light. I am E-Blooded Candy, and before we dive into this light episode's game, I guess we can call it, just a bit of what I have been up to. Uh, well, Phase 4 of WoW Classic TBC was just released, so Zulamon is now out. Uh, and of course, I'm still doing the Black Temple Mount Hydral rating from Phase 3 as well. And probably in a few months, Phase 5 will come out with Sunwell Plateau. So there'll be a lot of wow in my future <laughs> coming up. Um, Kirby and the Forgotten Land came out on Friday. So I have been playing a bit of that. I've gotten to World 3, 100%ed so far to World 3. Uh, I've been doing a ton, a ton of YouTube uh, thumbnails. Uh, for long plays, uh, which if you don't know what a long play is, a long play is just a video of just raw gameplay footage. Uh, no commentary, no layouts, no nothing crazy at all. Uh, I'll be uploading long plays to the YouTube channel before long. Uh, speaking of long plays, I have done a few games uh, outside of WoW. Uh, for Game Boy Advance, I've played Egg Mania, which if you've never played Egg Mania, like I don't talk up to Game Boy Advance, so I think it's a kind of a, a dog pile of a console but egg mania is a super cool puzzle game for the game boy advance and it's really short as well too super fun super cute music is really good very very well thought out puzzle game uh, i did britney spears's dance beat which is absolutely awful uh you play the same five songs like two or three times and if you fail at all then you have to like kind of start over the song, and I could only listen to uh, an eight bit or an eight bit rendition of uh, "Oops, I Did It Again" so many times. Uh, American Idol, which not great, but better than Britney Spears's dance beat. Uh, American Idol actually has more than five songs, at least, to it. So. Uh, that has that has NSYNC, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, uh, Ricky Martin, Backstreet Boys. It has a bunch of bunch of artists in it. It's actually pretty good, and it's it's actually an interesting game too because if you mess up, the the voice the the voice singing messes up. That it's actually a pretty detailed uh, GBA game. Uh, then I also played WarioWare Mega Micro Game, uh, first WarioWare game I've ever played in my life. Very fun, but I can see why I would never probably replay the game again, though. <laughs> uh, it's a very fun game, but I got really bored with it pretty quick. It took me like three days to beat it because I kept getting bored so much throughout the game. Uh, and then I played a Game Boy Color game, aside from the homebrew that we will be talking about today, uh, called InSync Get to the Show. That's right. There was an InSync video game for the Game Boy Color that came that was uh, made by Infogrames. 
and uh, it's it's awful. <laughs> it's real bad. I beat it on the hardest difficulty, and they, all three difficulties are the same ending. It's awful. Don't play it. <laughs> um, with that, the future coming up here, finishing Kirby, hopefully probably within the next week or so. Um, Mo has requested Spiru on the Super Nintendo, so I want to get to that here eventually as well, too. Um, and I want to clean up some Game Boy long plays that uh, basically need to be re-recorded. Uh, then on top of speedrun marathons coming up as well, which we'll talk about later on in the ending. So, yeah, I mentioned that we'll be talking about a homebrew today. Uh, so this episode is about a little hidden homebrew that didn't make a big splash until Incubate uh, published it. And it's a game called Pine Creek. So uh, to hear more about it, stay tuned. So Pine Creek is a game developed and composed by Carmelo Electronics, and it was built using the Game Boy Studio uh, software. Uh, this game was released in October of 2021, and the game has a couple of different publishings to it. Uh, the first publishing that you can find, and probably one of the easiest ones that you can find, is the one on itch.io. Uh, the game was originally uh Slated as DMG, and then it got recolored into uh, the colored version of Pine Creek, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, the second publishing of this came from Incubate, um, where they have two types of physical editions that you could have ordered. I believe they're sold out now. One was just a normal, just a regular edition of the game, which gave you a black cartridge with the label and a manual. The other one was the collector's edition, of the uh, of the game, which I'll talk about here in a second, and then you can get a digital download as well of the game. So, I personally own the collector's edition of this game because this is a game that I've been long waiting for uh, to get a physical release. I've had Pine Creek on my to playlist for at least when it was first mentioned on itch.io. So it's been on my it's been on my to playlist for a very long time. Uh, so I got the collector's edition, and the collector's edition includes actually quite a bit. You get a transparent red cartridge with the ritual circle in engraved on the back of the PCB board. It looks so cool just to look at. It looks so cool to look at. Um, you get a Pine Creek poster, and on the other side of the Pine Creek poster is a map of the game. You get an enamel Pine Creek pin. You get a set of stickers, which the stickers seem to be pretty pretty nice quality. You get a manual, which is phenomenally made. The paper quality of the manual is very nice. You get a CD of the soundtrack of the game, uh, and the CD cover is the Ritual Circle, which we'll talk about more when we get into the gameplay. And mind you, the soundtrack to this game is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and then you get a you get a certificate of authenticity. Uh, labeling uh, what number you were out of 200. I was number 79 out of 200 for the collector's edition. So, 
with that said, I do need to, I do need to disclaimer this episode. Uh, this game is not for the light of heart. So before I get started in any of this at all, um, this game is very, very, very much catered to a mature audience. Uh, if homebrew games were to get rated, this would be rated M for mature. And some portions of the game's story may offend. So listener discretion is advised right now. This is the first time I think ever in this is Game Boy history that I've we've had to put a disclaimer out. Because um, the story to this game is crazy. Um, so <laughs> what is this game? all about. So the game is about a disappearance of a young girl in a previously quiet small town of Pine Creek, uh, which raises the popular belief that a cult is behind the crime and many other ritual killings before her. Uh, her best friend, Adzo, will do his best to solve why she went missing and who and how uh, is behind everything. Um, this game is a top-down adventure murder mystery game. There is no fighting in the game. There's no boss fights. There's no none of that at all. It's running around, talking to people, investigating, figuring out what is going on and what to do. So, the only so as mentioned, the only type of fighting in the game per se is if you go to the arcade or play your game console. Um, that's about it, and you basically you it's a it's a Pokemon style fighting game where you get to take down the USSR. It's actually a really dumb game. It's really boring and honestly not worth all that mention <laughs> at all. Um, but the game is built around investigating the disappearance of your best friend Judith, uh, and you play as a boy named Azo, like I mentioned before, and you have a group of two other friends, Cassidy or Cass, which is, will shorten up later on in the in the in the podcast and karen uh who help present ideas and use their city connections to try and connect the dots to judas disappearance uh the game although rather linear allows you to explore and interact with nearly all elements and npcs in the game and i highly highly encourage you if you play this game to do that uh, you can talk to every NPC. Every NPC actually has their own personality, and their dialogue changes throughout the game as well, too. It's as if you're actually having a conversation with an actual character in the game. Uh, you can interact with a lot of just stationary things in the game, such as like arcade games, tables, plates, refrigerators, vending machines. You can, you can interact with a lot of different things. Um... So as you talk to these NPCs, not just like the story NPCs, but like the extra NPCs, they're going to present you with side missions that don't change the story or the game at all. But you get the sense of like a relationship between certain people by completing these like side missions. Like for some, like you're like, oh, I feel bad for this person. Like, let me go help them. Or for another, it's like, oh, this is a big secret, like, it shouldn't leak, or, you know, this, that, whatever. It's actually a super impressive, like, system that they have going on, just beyond, you know, just the stationary linear gameplay in itself. Um, but not only should you do it, it, it really helps you immerse yourself in the game and, like, get into that city, because as you talk to these NPCs, 
you'll realize that as you talk to certain ones throughout the game, the dynamic of the game drastically changes. And you start to understand, like, oh, wait a minute, like, what I really thought was happening actually might not be happening. Just based on the context clues that you're gathering from conversations from NPCs you generally wouldn't uh, interact with. Uh, it's some of the best writing I have ever witnessed in a, in a Game Boy game, or at least in any of the homebrew games I have ever played. This is some of the best writing I have ever read and interacted with uh, in a homebrew game, especially Game Boy. So another interesting thing that this game does as well, too, is that it, it lets you know when you're done with the day or level, however you want to look at it. Uh, the game is broken off into various different days or levels. Um, and the way that the game does is that it gives you the notion that it is nighttime because all of the NPCs will be gone off of the streets. Uh, as, you, as you walk through your small town of Pine Creek, there won't be any NPCs left outside. They'll all be gone. That is your indicator that it's nighttime. You need to go to sleep to begin the next day. So now that we've gotten the gist of the gameplay out of the way, let's dive into each individual day now. So we start off with day one, obviously. So day one is the beginning of summer uh, for us. We literally just got out of school, uh, and we wake up, and we are presented with a pretty quirky dialogue box. And I always choose violence, so it's like I wake up, I'm in a bad mood, this and that, whatever. But you can choose, you can kind of like start to build out Azo's personality a little bit, although it doesn't hinder the gameplay at all. Uh, more of like an RP element type deal. Uh, from there, you want to get your notebook off of the table. This notebook is probably the second most important thing in the entire game because this notebook tells you what you need to do. Uh, to get through the day, it keeps all of your notes and your evidence and everything else that you've collected throughout the game. Uh, and then you could play the arcade game or the video game that we talked about briefly, but honestly, I wouldn't. Um, so if you open up your notebook, you're going to be presented with a few things. Like the first thing is going to say, go to Judah's house to do a project, return your movie to Cassidy, return a book to Karen. Um, so... I would personally do it in this order because this gives you uh, the ability to free roam Pine Creek and see what's going on. But um, I would return the movie to Cassidy. So when you go to the, so Cassidy works at the Photoshop. So Cassidy is a um, photo developer, film developer. Go there, you can talk to them and then you'll have a nice fun interaction about the movie uh, that you borrowed from Cassidy. You have an option between two different movie titles. And uh, you can have a fun interaction with Cassidy. Cassidy and Ryan, who we'll talk about later on, are probably my two favorite characters in the game. Because Ryan is kind of just this like laid-back, kind of just jackass. And Cassidy is just like super, like not uptight, but like very hyperactive. Like, my opinion matters, you know... Uh, listen to me. So, like, when those two characters start to interact with each other, it's actually pretty comical. Um, so, once you've returned the movie to Cassie and had your had your interaction with them, uh, hop over to the bookstore and talk to Karen. So, Karen's character uh, design is actually pretty cool. Uh, she has black hair with like a blue strip going through it. 
kind of like a gothy-esque type type feel to her. Uh, in my opinion, she's probably one of the more detailed and one of the better presented characters uh, in the game. Uh, it's a shame that you don't really get to talk to her all that much until the very end. So you go go to Karen and return your book. Karen's going to have this poem that she's going to read out to you. And you're going to have an interaction with her about this poem, whether or not you like it, what's your take, well, you know, what are your two's takes on it, etc., etc. So once you're done with that, I implore you to explore Pine Creek. Um, go to the arcade and talk to the guy behind the counter of the arcade. What he's going to do is he's actually going to give you a side mission to deliver a package to a person. Uh, and in return, if you deliver the package, he's going to give you... A, he'll give you unlimited amount of coins to play in the arcade. Mind you, though, you have two options with this package. And he warns you not to open the package or else he'll know. So... You have two options. You can either A, not open the package at all and just deliver it to the church. Or B, you can open up the package and read the arcade owner's secret. And basically, you at that point, you're not allowed to use the arcade. Because you don't have any coins and the guy doesn't like you. Uh, <laughs> so if you don't ever want to use the arcade in the game, uh, you can betray his trust and read the letter. It's actually pretty spicy. Uh, otherwise, if you want to play in the arcade with unlimited amount of coins, don't don't betray his trust and take the letter into the church and into the far back left corner is a person that you'll deliver the letter to. There'll be a back and forth. Go back to the arcade. Say, hey, I delivered it. Didn't read it. You can play all the arcade games that you want at that point. Uh, another thing, too, is that there's a little old lady in the bottom left of the map sitting on a bench. And if you talk to her, she tells you a very, very sad story about her dog uh, passing away and how that her and her dog used to go get cannolis uh, every day from the city. So she asks you to go get her some cannolis uh, for one last memory of her and her dog. Again, a side mission that you don't need to do, but it really builds out that, that immersion and that kind of just like personality for Adzo. So... Uh, as you collect these, you want to then head off to Judith's house. Judith's house is on the far, far left of the map. And as you approach the screen, there's going to be a bunch of police officers blocking your way. They're going to say, hey, you can't pass here. Something's bad happened. Blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, oh, I need to get to Judith's house regardless because I need to see what happened. Um, so you're like, I'm going to go through the back door. And as you try to go through the back door, there's a dog on the way blocking your path. Alright, well, you've seen a few dogs in passing, probably through Pine Creek. Uh, you saw a statue of a dog, and you saw a dog kind of sitting on a corner next to a bench with, with two women. And like, like your first instinct's like, I'm going to go trick this dog to trick the other dog to do this. That's actually thinking about it entirely too hard. <laughs> um, what you want to do is just go up to a vending machine and just get a snack. doesn't matter what kind of snack, you just want to get it a snack. Toss the dog a snack. The dog walks away and it kind of hangs out with a cat in the back. It's whatever. You can pet the dog, but don't pet the cats. If you pet the cats, the cats scratch you and hurt Adzo. But you can pet the dogs all day long. You can pet every dog in the game even. Yes, you can pet every dog in the game. Um, so yeah, once you've 
gave the dog a snag, you could head off to Judah's house and sneak into the back door and go to her room. This is where the actual game, in my opinion, really starts and actually ramps up because the room is covered, the floor in the room is covered in blood. There is a large ritual circle uh, drawn out in blood and with a finger in the middle of it with a blood trail going out the window. Um, Azo has a huge RP moment here with some very good writing. Uh, with a sense of like urgency and fear and just like what the hell is going on uh you know what's happening like what you know what is all what is all the speed and as you kind of just investigate the room a bit more uh Adzo will draw the symbol into his notebook uh which is basically your, your indicator that hey you're done here let's jet so you exit out the back door and as you go through the rest of the stage here you'll notice that all the NPCs are gone off the road because you've completed your checklist that's in your notebook. So once you've completed your checklist in the notebook, then it's quote-unquote nighttime and time for you to go to sleep. So you go back to your house, go to bed, uh, and you start day two. So day two is when you actually start the investigation of what happened to Judith. So one of the first things you want to do is go over to the bookstore and visit Karen. Karen is your highly intelligent friend, works in a bookstore, reads a ton. She's going to be your go-to. So you're going to go to Karen and be like, hey, I went to Judah's place. I saw this circle. What can you tell me about it? And then you have a long dialogue about, like, Karen's like, oh, I know what this circle is. It's this type, this type of, you know, sacrificial ritual, blah, 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 blah. Um, so as... As she's telling you all of this stuff, Adzo doesn't write it down in the notebook, but it's up to you, the player, to mentally understand what she's saying to you. And what she then says at the end, she's like, hey, I have a friend in the city named Simone. She probably knows what this ritual act or what these symbols actually mean in the ritual circle. Take this, take this drawing to her and see if you can decipher it. So this is your first mention that, hey, like there's another city beyond Pine Creek that you have to go to. So to do that, you have to get a rail pass. So if you go there and you go to like the tram station, uh, the lady's like, hey, you need to have a, a rail pass to hop on. A student one costs $20. Well, you don't have $20 because you're a, a kid out of school that didn't have a job. So, but if you go to this rail station on day one, the rail station is actually closed for repairs. It's actually a pretty interesting, like, how all that kind of develops as well, too. But you go and ask mom and dad in the cafe, because they, they own the cafe and run the cafe next door to your house. And your dad's like, huh, when I was your age, I had to work for my money. The pizzeria just opened. Why don't you go work for them? Okay. Thanks, dad. <laughs> so... You go to the pizzeria, uh, which in day one was locked, so you couldn't go into there at all. Uh, you go into the pizzeria and ask for a job, and there's a lot of RP that happens in the pizzeria because they start to sing to you, and it gets a little awkward and kind of weird because it's just like that the dynamic of like how different everything is. Like you're very much the outcast in that place versus everyone else. Um, 
So, like, hey, can I just get a job? Like, oh, yep, here you go. So they hand you a list, they hand you the pizzas, and you only have to deliver three different pizzas. Uh, Jamie and the Salmon Craig, which is far left, so when you get to Judah's house, just keep going left. He's looking over, like, a cliff edge and, like, looking for, like, mysterious lights of, like, UFOs and stuff like that. And as you hand him the pizza, there's a funny RP event that happens that lets him miss all of the mysterious lights that he's been searching for. It's actually a pretty funny watch and pretty funny read uh, as it happens. So once you hand him his pizza, you go to Ryan, who is in the church. And when you deliver the pizza to Ryan, the priest is like, Oh, I see Ryan ordered pizza for the entire church. And invites everyone to eat Ryan's pizza. And he's in the first pew of the church, too. It's actually super funny how it all kind of unfolds. And Ryan gets super bummed about it. Because uh, everyone in the church goes up for a slice of pizza. And then uh, the third pizza goes to Liz, who's in the police headquarters upstairs. Now, this is the one and only time you'll ever talk to Liz in the entire game, but she plays probably the most important role in the game. <laughs> I was kind of bummed that she didn't play more of a role throughout the game, but uh, this was, I guess, the game game developers way of introducing, like, hey, this is the person that you know is going to play a huge role in the story, so we need to somehow introduce them into the game. And this is probably their way of doing that. So after you after you delivered your pizzas, you go back to the pizzeria. It's like you go, hey, here you go. I handed you know I deliver all the pizzas. And they go, great, thank you. But they don't want to pay you out of the gate, and you're just like, hey, like, where's, where's my where's my money? And they give you five dollars for delivering three pizzas. And then you can you have a dialogue where you can either politely be like, what is this, or you can have a dialogue where you get very angry and just tell them you basically just tell them off in the angry version of it and uh they fire you if you choose violence and you quit if you choose to be polite either way you lose your job at the pizzeria <laughs> uh so you're like well crap i'm 15 dollars short of this rail pass like what do i need to do when when you when in doubt always go visit mom <laughs> So you go back to the cafe and notice that dad isn't there anymore. Uh, so you go talk to mom. And mom kind of gives you like, yeah, you know, we have bills to pay this, that, whatever. But you know what? Here. Here's $15. Go get your rail pass. So you go get the money from mom. Go get your rail pass. Now you can ride the train to the city. Before you get, before you sit down on the train to progress into Apricot City, I would... Highly encourage you to talk to everyone on the plane because their dialogue changes every day from here on out. And you have different people depending on what part of the city you're in. If you're going from Pine Creek to Apricot City, you have a set of people that you can talk to. And if you're going from Apricot City to Pine Creek, you have a different set of people on your train to talk to. Talk to them all. Some of the conversations are pretty funny. Uh, there's definitely some uh, there's definitely some Game Boy conversation that happens as well too throughout the throughout the days. So once you arrive in the city, you are presented with so much stuff to do. It's almost overwhelming. There's so many restaurants and places to go into and people to talk to. 
Uh, one of the things I would recommend is going into the Love Hotel and talking to the front desk guy and hearing the hearing his stories of Love Hotel because they're actually pretty funny. Um, but your main objective here is to go to the Black Cat and talk to Simone. So you you make your way to the Black Cat, which is the far right screen, and you talk to a woman, or you see a woman, and you kind of just assume it's Simone, but it's not. Her name is, is Margaret. So as you walk in and talk to Margaret, she's going to be like, hey, you're going to be like, hey, I need to talk to Simone. And she's going to be like, oh, yeah, I know who Simone is, but before I can let you talk to her, I need you to answer these questions. And... She's going to ask you a bunch of questions, and for the most part, you can probably guess your way through them, but you have to 100% all of these questions. You can't get a single one wrong at all. And you don't know which one you get wrong either, because the game doesn't tell you which one you get wrong. So, the way to figure it out is that in the four corners of the shop are bookshelves. Go and, go and interact with the bookshelves. It's a quick, like, one to two page read. It's super quick. But it tells you the answer to the questions that uh, Margaret is going to be asking you. So once you figure it out and answer Margaret's questions correctly, she opens up this hidden door in the back that you walk through. You go through this grandiose, like gorgeous looking garden uh, with a fountain. And you can talk to all these various people in the garden about how like Simone did all of this stuff and whatever else. So as you keep walking through the garden and go into the, go into the back door, um, Simone is there and says, like, hey, you must be Tony. Karen told me, or Adzo, you must be, you know, Karen told me, Karen told me about you, not Tony. Um, so as you as you keep going, you know, she asks you if you want tea or coffee. Again, it doesn't matter which one you choose. It's not a game breaker because Adzo actually doesn't drink it at all. So as she comes back with your tea or coffee, you, you pretty much just get straight to the point. You're like, hey. Have you seen this drawing before? She looks at it. She's like, hmm. You know, and then she ponders. And she's like, oh, well, yes, sort of. It's a mixture of two different types of languages. So then she pulls out a book and lays it on a table. And you have to walk over to this other table. And this is where your pen and paper in real life is going to come in handy. Because... You're going to have to decipher the symbols on the ritual circle to the alphabet that she gives you in the book. Um, I'm not going to spoil. Actually, I am going to spoil it because I have to. So once you decipher it, it spells out pizzeria. So we get to go visit the pizzeria again. Uh, so as you decipher, it spells out pizzeria. The, the decipher of it is actually kind of fun to do. Think of like when you're in grade school and they give you some symbols with like a legend and you kind of have to figure out like, oh, the lion is an L and the tree is an F and, you know, this, that, whatever. You kind of like spell out sentences with symbols. It's kind of like in that manner. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, so once you've deciphered it, um, you need to go back. You need to go to the place that is said to go to. In this case, it is the pizzeria. So you hop back onto the train and go back to Pine Pine Creek. So as you go into Pine Creek, you go uh, into the pizzeria and go into the far back corner of the tree. 
Because, like, it, it just says pizzeria. You kind of just have to guess where to go. And the only oddball thing in the pizzeria is this tree. So you go back there, and hey, lo and behold, there is a box in the potted tree that holds uh, two passages from the Book of Judith and a film roll that needs to be developed. All right, well, we got all that, and that is all the checklists for day two. So now we go into day three. And day three is where you get some of, like, the real, like, kind of gross evidence of what is, uh, what is happening. So, when you wake up in day three, your dad is right there next to your bedside. And he's like, I feel bad for, you know, what happened to Judith. He's like, I want you all to be super connected with one another so none of you get lost, this, that, whatever. And he hands you a voucher for a free cell phone uh, from the electronics store in Apricot City. Perfect. Before we do anything in Pine Creek, we need to go get the cell phone, right? So, you go get the cell phone. You have three options to choose from. It does not matter what you choose. But before you leave Apricot City, make sure you go get the cannoli from the Italian store. Come back to Pine Creek. And from there, you get to develop. You have to go to Cass's Photoshop, get the film started to develop. Which, honestly, you get some of the best dialogue in the game right here. Uh, because Cass's boss is there. And Cass's boss's friend comes in. And they have a back and forth exchange. And basically, it ends with, yeah, well, I did your mom. Basically, is how the exchange ends. It's actually super comical to read. Uh, it, it made me laugh. The two or three times I've played this game, every time I've gotten to that dialogue, it's made me laugh. It's it's so well written and so funny. Um, so once you have Cass start developing the, the film, go down and give the old lady the cannolis. She'll say thank you. That's all there is with the old lady. Then head over to the church and ask the priest about the two passages from the book of Judith. Now, this is where a lot of RP kind of comes into play, and as you start to read this, you really start to understand the story that's unfolding. Uh, especially if you've already played a, if you've already played Dedius, you really know what's about to happen. <laughs> so, um, so you go to the you go to the go to the church, talk to the priest, say, "Hey, like, I've done my religious studies, I've done all this, but I've never heard of these passages from the Book of Judith." And the priest is like, well, why do you want to know about them? You know, it's like kind of gets really defensive about it. And uh, he's like, well, yeah, these won't these won't be in the the new you know the new James Bible. You have to go get one, one of the older ones and this and that whatever. So, like, okay, well, the only person I know who knows anything about books is Karen. So you got to go back to Karen and talk to Karen. Like, hey, like, do you have an old Catholic Bible with the Book of Judith in it? And she's like, well, I don't know. Let me go look. Okay. Well, that's the end of day three. So, um, day three is by far one of the shortest days. And kind of honestly one of the most boring days because it's the build-up to the final day. Day four. Uh, so, day four, you get up and you go talk to Karen about the book of Judith. And she's like, and then you get a whole big RP event of, you'll never, you'll, she's like, you'll never guess it, like, the day before Judith disappears, she checked out a, a Catholic Bible. And you're like, whoa, oh my god, okay. You know, like, coincidence, crazy. She wants the book of Judith and her name is Judith. How nuts, wow, bizarre. 
Um, so you head off to Judah's house because you need to get the Bible. And uh, when you walk in, you have an RP event with Judah's dad and Judah's mom where, you know, obviously they're both in pain and sad that, you know, their daughter's gone missing. And you're just like, hey, like, we all made a present for her. Can I put it upstairs in her on in her room for, for when she comes back? And the dad's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So you go upstairs and you immediately go to the Bible and start flipping through the passages. Uh, so you get to the two passages that she wrote down in that book. And this is where, like, another puzzle comes into play. So as you read through these passages, you're going to notice that there are letters that are bold uh, throughout the two passages. Basically, what you do is take your pen and paper in real life and just jot down the bold letters or notepad or whatever you want to use uh, and figure out what it all spells out. And that is going to lead you to your next uh, area that you need to go go to. Uh, but before we do all of that as well, too, once you've figured out what Judith is trying to say in the passages, you need to go into her computer and browse through the computer through various different like text files and whatnot. And you're going to come across some files where Asa's going to be like, well, this could come in handy. He's going to write it down in his notebook. Um, these are just passages of just like her day-to-day Quotes that she's came across, passwords, etc. Um, so yeah, once you are done with Judah's house, then we want to head off to the city and we want to go to the Love Hotel. Um, once you get to the Love Hotel, the guy behind the counter is like, "Have you ever seen this chick at the sushi place? This and that, whatever." And uh, basically, what he wants you to do is that he wants you to go set up a date with him and this chick at the at the sushi place. And the chick at the sushi place. Uh, is Mexican, so she wants some, so she wants Mexican food. So you have to go do all of that. It's not a puzzle; it's just a setup to get the guy out of the love hotel. Because if you try to go into the actual hotel while he's there, he'll stop you. So you want to try and get up. The, you want to set up this first date so you can get him out of the building. And he's gonna be like, "Hey, watch the front desk for me while I go hang out with this chick." And you say, "Sure," and then he leaves, and that means you can go browse the love hotel. Uh, the Love Hotel is a brothel. Uh, if you haven't figured out by the name yet, it is a brothel uh, with various themed sex rooms. Uh, there is a po- there's a Pokemon themed sex room, and that interaction you get through the door is hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, but there are themed sex rooms as you go through. Uh, but you kind of you don't care about the themed sex rooms, although funny. What you care about is this far back door that has a password on it. The password that you get from the computer is the password that you use on this door. This is where the game gets extremely dark. Um, as you go downstairs, there are side sex rooms just like there was upstairs. But not as elegant and probably not as consensual as the ones upstairs. Uh, As you make your way through uh, going into the side rooms, you really start to understand what is happening behind the scenes at this hotel. And it is not good. Um, it It is not good. It's been under wraps. Uh, 
They've been using a cult as an excuse of these disappearances, when in fact the disappearances were the people getting kidnapped and used. We'll leave it at that. So as you go through all of this, you uh, get through a door finally, and Cass is going to call you. And Cass is going to be like, hey, where the hell did you get this film roll from? And you're going to be like, I don't It's like, I got it from a box in the pizzeria. Like, why? And Cass is going to be like, these pictures are super disturbing and super disgusting. And he's going to go on a whole rant of like how like those pictures just need to be burned and never seen again or turned into the police or something. Uh, and then after a while, Cass is going to lose connection to you because you're in the basement of a hotel, of a, of a brothel. So as, so as you lose service, you're going to have to navigate through these rooms. Think of, like, the old Pokemon, like, Fire Tower on Volcano Island where you have to, like, push, like, boxes or certain stuff out of the way to progress through a room. It's just like that. you got to push some boxes out of the way. Some of the rooms are pitch black, so you have to hit a light switch to turn on. It's kind of a pain to navigate through because you kind of it's just a bunch of, like, guessing where to go and, like, holding an arrow key. It's kind of dumb, but... Um, once you've progressed through the, the quote unquote puzzle stages, uh, you get to this very wide open room where you go and hit the light switch and it is just an empty room with a table, a chainsaw and a chair. (laughs) And there is one person waiting for you and his name is Josh. Now, if you went, if you were adventurous and went around and talked to all the NPCs in the game, you would know that Josh is the lead detective on these disappearances. Yeah. So, Josh is there and he's like, well, 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 uh, so you couldn't just leave well enough, could you? Because he warns you to stop investigating the crime. Uh, he's just like, hey, you know, he's like, we noticed that you've been out trying to figure stuff out. He's like, just leave it to the professionals. You know, we'll figure it out. Like, he tells you to stop doing it uh, throughout the game as you talk to him. But, you know, so he's just like, you couldn't just leave well enough, could you? Then, uh, basically, he ties you up to the chair and is standing at the at the table with a chainsaw. And as the screen fades out and back in, the priest is now there, of course, and so is Judas' dad. So this was the big flipper for me. It was like, whoa, like, your daughter went missing and you're a part of this? Like, what? What? <laughs> so you sit there and, like, the priest just tells you, like, you should just let things be, Izzo. Like, we didn't want this to happen. We are using the call to do this and that, whatever. And then... um. Judas, Judas' dad was just like, yeah, he's like, we had the chosen one already figured out, and she left us, and this, that, whatever, and she's like, she she left clues for you to come figure it out, but little does she know, like, this is where your, this is where your days end, and then Josh is just like, we can't let him live, and he grabs the chainsaw off the table and basically point blanks it to your face, and basically it says, any last words? And then turns the chainsaw on. You can actually see like the 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 chain move on the on the chainsaw as well too. It's very well animated. And uh, before Josh can go go crazy on you, uh, Liz breaks down the door and it's like you know stop right there because 
Liz is the savior of of the game. Although you only had one interaction with her, which was giving her pizza, she is the she is the savior of the game. Um, and the only reason she knows what's going on is because Cass called the cops and got a hold of Liz and said, like, hey, Adzo was in the basement of the Love Hotel. I lost connection to him. Here are these really super gross pictures. So from there, Liz then arrests Josh the priest and Judas' dad. And Adzo goes on to live another day. So from there, the game fades in and then fades back or fades out and fades back in to seven days later. So a week after all of this stuff happened, um, you, you wake up and everyone's so happy that you're alive and that you're the town hero because you figured out what was going on and this, and that, whatever. So you go and talk to Cass to go thank them for saving your life. And you have a long RP event and he's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, Judith left a note on my door. And you're like, what? Because you all think Judith is dead. So you're like, wait, what? So you take the note, and it has a has a quote on it, which I won't read on the podcast because it has a few choice words in it. Uh, something that... Play the game and read it. <laughs> um, and so you have to figure out what the quote means. It's, it's not a quote more so than it is a riddle. Uh, but you do have to know some of Greek mythology to understand what the riddle actually means. Uh, but from there, you go and you go to that location where the riddle says, which is a fountain. And from there, all of your friends, so Karen and Cass, will show up. And then you'll have an RP event talking about Judith and how you're the hero and this and whatever. And then Judith will finally appear at the bottom of the screen uh, saying, like, hey, like, What's up? She looks super different, right? She's missing a finger. She's cut off all of her, all of her hair. She's changed her appearance drastically. Then when we first saw her in the uh, introduction of the game, uh, and basically she just says like, "Hey, like Liz took me in. You know, once 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 everything was figured out, Liz found me. She took me in, kind of adopted me a little bit, but." I'm not going to live in Pine Creek anymore. I just wanted to say goodbye. Maybe we'll see each other again later on. Um, kind of a sad ending. Happy but sad at the same time. And then after that, it fades out, fades back into the cliff where Jamie was looking for those mysterious lights. And you, Cass, and Karen have an RP just chatting like, you know, like what's life going to be like without Judith? What's life going to be like now, you know, now that, you know, we uncover this crazy thing at the Love Hotel between the priest Josh and Judas' dad, and it kind of just ends with Karen being like, "Hey, like, you want to do something?" And you get you kind of get to choose like your date with Karen because apparently, like, you and Karen have a love interest that you would have never known until the very end of the game. <laughs> um, so once you choose your date location, the game fades out. And the credit, the credits roll. Uh, the game in total is like probably like two to three hours long. Uh, even if you go and adventure and explore everything, it's about two to three hours long. But it's a very, very well written game and a very cool game at that. Um, before we get into what I think of the game in total, 
We'll start with the, the, the box art quick here. The box art is kind of simple, but it gets the point across. Pine Creek and like carved into a tree type writing uh, with the ritual circle on the floor with the candles, the finger, the blood trail with the upside down cross. Uh, dimly lit as if it's lit by candles as well too. Very, very well done uh, box art. Not super over the top, but definitely gets a point across of what the game is actually going to be about. Um, in terms of reception of the game, there are so many YouTube videos about this game right now. <laughs> um, so many YouTube videos about this homebrew game. Uh, just simply type it in Pine Creek into the search box. I see, uh, let's see here. Oops. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, uh, nine. It, it, the list just keeps going, going on. There's so many um, YouTube videos about this. And a lot of them say really good things about the game, which I 100% agree with them as well, too. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take another short break. When we come back, I'll give you all of my thoughts, pros and cons of the game, and of course, what's going on later on in the retro world. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So, my thoughts on the game. I This is probably one of my favorite homebrew games to date right now. Uh, I have a few homebrews I haven't played yet. Um, I have two from Green Boy and one from... I have a Dragonborn I haven't played yet. Uh, the other one from In Incubate, I think it was. Um... So I haven't played those three homebrews yet, but out of all of the homebrew games I have played, which is a decent amount at this point, this one is by far my favorite of the homebrews. Um, this took the idea of... This this took the gameplay idea of Dedius and pushed it even further, in my opinion. Uh, I thought Dedius was a genius game. I thought it was a very well done game, especially with its multiple endings. Um, but Pine Creek takes the writing and just takes the aesthetic a bit further. Yes, there's only one ending, but the amount of game and the writing of the game far makes up for the multiple endings. Some of the things I do wish it had is I wish it, 
I wish with the side objectives, it gave it it made a bit of a difference in the game. I understand this is a Game Boy game, right? I understand that, but with Game Boy Homebrewing where it's at, with Game Boy Studio where it's at, there's a lot more you can do with character progression in these games now. And I kind of wish that the side stuff that you did and the side conversations that you had made more of an impact on your character or the story of the game. So like maybe have like a double ending of the game, right? Where you just do the linear quest and Judith is dead. But maybe if you took the time and explored and did all the side missions and talked to people and figure out what is actually going on, you realize that Judith isn't dead type deal. So there could have been some like expansion based on that and some more critical idea on that. But overall, the sprite work is absolutely gorgeous. Um, the music in the game is probably the best homebrew music I've heard. Um, the intro is crazy because it, it, it you immediately get a bloody knife as the intro. It's the intro is nuts to this game. Um, uh, <laughs> and I like I said, like I've actually replayed this game two or three times. The only other game I've played through multiple to only other homebrew I've played through multiple times was Deadius. So if that has any indicator to it at all, uh, but for those that want fighting or like a Pokemon fight or any type of like action. This is not the game for you. This is purely adventure, mystery, or adventure murder mystery. It's all it is. There's no fighting in it at all. But I don't want you. To, I don't want that to steer steer you away from this game. <laughs> uh, all right. Sp there's no speed runs of this game either, mind you. If anyone were to submit a speed run to this game, it would it would be me. I have debated submitting this to a marathon, but I'm hesitant on submitting it to a marathon because of the nature of the story, because it deals with um, sex slaves, cults, just stuff like that. And it's like, it's like, yeah, okay. Play it in your off time, sure, but like to present it in front of you know a, a couple hundred, couple thousand people in a marathon, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, me, yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, all right. <laughs> so, I've been personally hesitant on submitting it, but maybe, maybe, maybe I will. We'll see. Um, uh, <laughs> so with that said. Uh, let's hop into the closing statements, I guess, right? So, um, marathon season is hot and heavy right now. We'll start with Retro Gaming Live's marathons coming up. We have Retrothon 2022 from April 16th through April 24th. And you bet your ass that I'm in this marathon. I will be playing... I will be playing Crayon Shin-Chan 4 and Rebel Saver 2, a.k.a. Max, for the Game Boy. We also have Power Up with Pride 
Once I find that Discord channel. We have Power Up with Pride. Um, coming up between, let's see here, June 10th and June 12th. So a weekend event. I have submitted to this. I submitted uh, Settled and Redbow. I submitted two horror games uh, to Power Up with Pride. And we also have some other marathons coming up too that I can't find or figure out off the top of my head. Summer Games Done Quick will be in person this year. Crazy. A lot of restrictions, mind you, but will be in person this year. Uh, I have submitted two games to uh, SGDQ 2022, and that is Redbow and Deadius All Endings Glitchless. So the hour-long speed run for that. Um, so if I get in and you're going to SGDQ, I'll see you. If I don't get in, have fun at SGDQ because <laughs> I probably won't go. Um, and that is at the end of June, the last week of June, like the 26th through the 3rd or something like that. Um, let's see. I know we have more coming up. Like there's a Midwest, there's a Midwest speed fest one coming up. ESA is usually in July. There's a bunch more coming up. So keep your eyes and ears open for those. All right. So closing, if you have any thoughts and suggestions, please let us know. We love to hear them. Even if it's towards the light, we love to hear it. Cause these lights are literally just either Mullah or myself doing them. It's not the combination of the two. Um, if you like them, please let us know. If you hate them, please let us know. We just want, we just want to hear, we just want to hear from y'all. We want to talk with y'all, converse with y'all. And, uh, yeah, you can find me, eBloodyCandy, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find my co-host, Moolah, M-O-E-L-L-E-U-H, on Twitch and Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Instagram. And you can find our awesome, wonderful producer, Sprinty Legs, uh, Sprinty Legs on Twitch and Twitter, Legs on YouTube, and then check out her project website, www.sprintylegs.com. And you can see all the projects she is working on behind the scenes, along with a link to the Game Boy Manual project. Or you can go to gbmanuals.com, where you can see all the uploaded, scanned Game Boy Manuals we have in the docket right now for you to use for your gaming pleasure. Huh. All right. <laughs> Time for sellout mode. If you want us to monetarily support the support the stream, support the podcast, uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, so if you want to be a patron of the Patreon, uh, we do have select tiers where you can get uh, discount codes, first looks, uh, Haunt Hunter premiere, uh, first look premiere access. Uh, if you don't know what Haunt Hunters is, Haunt Hunters is a horror let's play that Mo and I have been doing on the side. Um, the most recent release is The Bunker, uh, which is now public on YouTube. So go give that, it's on my YouTube, eBloody Candy's YouTube. So go check it out. Um, 
And you get access to behind-the-scenes stuff, special privileges in Discord, all that fun stuff. Uh, if subscription stuff ain't your thing, we do have a PayPal. However, we cannot connect a lot of stuff to PayPal because it's PayPal. So if you do monetarily support us through PayPal, please let one of the three of us know. We want to thank you and shower you with with praise and and whatever else we can give you for your support. Uh, we also have the merch store, which is merch.gbrunners.com, I think it is. No, merch.thisisgameboy.com. One of those two. Um, where we have shirts and coffee mugs available, and every once in a while we will have a quote-unquote limited edition run of a t-shirt uh, representing a milestone uh, that we have achieved. So... Last year, we ran a one-month-long limited edition uh, shirt for our launch of the merch store and for our three-year milestone as well. So keep your eyes out on that. Um, and you can find all of that information on thisisgameboy.com. You can even find the, the correct merch link on that website. Uh, so... But if, mon if, if monetarily support isn't your thing, you're just there to listen, money's tight, whatever it may be, don't worry, don't fret. Listening to the podcast and just being there is so much more support than you can ever expect. Listening to the podcast, talking to us in Discord, giving us five stars on whatever podcast listener you guys listen on. Uh, supports us in so many different ways that money can't support us because it ranks us higher on lists. It gets us more more eyes to the public. And for it being a niche podcast about the Game Boy, we can use all the eyes that we can get on it. So thank you all that thank you all that listen to the podcast. Thank you all that talk to us in the Discord. Thank you all that hang out with us in our streams. We super, super, super appreciate you. Um, and you can also watch and listen to these episodes on YouTube as well. Um, Mo and Legs put a lot of work into making that happen. So yeah, with that, I am off. I will see you all next time when Mo and I are together talking about Double Dragon for the Game Boy. Until next time. When is Pokemon? No, no, no.